Revelation chapter 9. As we continue our journey through the book of Revelation, and we have a crazy chapter in front of us today. You know, the first part of the chapter, it has to deal with demons that are let out of the abyss. And what they do is they torment people. And so they're going to suffer uh, for five months unable to die. And so the first part has to do really with just torment and, and, and suffering. And uh, we're going to see how God can use that. But then the last half of the chapter goes to the next step, and that is dying, and where so many people end up dying. Now, the church, if you're a Christian, you won't be here for this time. You're going to be raptured out. Uh, God has not appointed us to wrath, and this is the wrath of God. You know, but even in wrath, God remembers mercy. Even in this crazy times that we're going to read about today, many people are getting saved. And so it's a cool thing to see. Um, but one of the things that I want to encourage you guys in is as we go through this chapter, you know, just to uh, know, like for me, um, I believe with all my heart that um, God wants us as a church to be busy about his business so that people can get saved. I mean, when I read about the suffering, when I read about the, the death, when I read about things like hell, you know, you, you could read about it and you might say, oh, yeah, they deserve it or God's going to get them or those bad people and whatever. Um, but um, ultimately, I think what we want is God use my life. Use my life so that people will be saved. You know, some of you here, you might become a missionary somewhere. Right now I'm reading a great book on the life of Elizabeth Elliot with my daughter Ariel. And it's a beautiful book, this amazing woman about how God used her in the jungles of Ecuador to save a tribe, the Alca Indians. And so, you know, maybe you'll be a missionary. Maybe you'll be in the ministry. Um, but somewhere you have to be busy. You have to be working. You have to be praying. You have to be fishing. You have to be reaching out to people because there is a heaven and there is a hell. There, is, there, are, there are angels that are good. There are demons that are bad. There is crazy things ahead. And right now, we talked about this a little bit last week. You know, the, the buzzword in whatever the liberal circles or sometimes others uh, is the global warming. But I think a better word is global warning. That God, what's going on in the world and all the things that we're just seeing, just little, little tidbits of it, is God warning us that Things are probably just about ready to be wrapped up, and he's coming soon. You know, there are more prophecies about Jesus' second coming than there are about his first coming. And he came the first time. That's why we celebrate Christmas. And I guarantee you, he's going to come again. And so we need to be ready. And wherever your role and responsibility is in the church, whatever gifts you have, whatever talents you have, whatever things the Lord Holy Spirit lays on your heart, Make sure that you're busy about his business because God will use that. You may not make the connection. You're like, okay, I gave $25 to the tithing because that was what the Lord laid on your heart. You may not make the connection, but all those things and the little, the, the ushers and those setting up tents and the sound and the, all the different ministries together, God uses it all to save souls. And that's our desire. And so I encourage you to reach out to people. Uh, make a list. If you haven't been reaching out to uh, lost people, I challenge you today. Just take, 
Start with seven names. Seven names and do one. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And each day you reach out to them somehow, some way. Because if we're not reaching out to the lost, then, you know, what's going on? You know, we need to have that heart. Because when we read this, you might just say, oh, this is bad stuff. But ultimately, I think it's God showing us the future for those who, who, will, who are doomed. And we need to try to make a difference. And so look what we read here in Revelation 9 and verse 1. It says, Then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth. To him was given the key to the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. Then, out of the smoke, locusts came upon the earth, and to them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. They were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God in their foreheads. And they were not given authority to kill them, but to torment them for five months. Their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. In those days, men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die, and death will flee from them. The shape of the locusts was like horses prepared for battle. On their head were crowns of something like gold, and their faces were like the faces of men. They had hair like women's hair, and their teeth were like lion's teeth. And they had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots with many horses running into battle. They had tails like scorpions, and their sting there were stings in their tails. Their power was to hurt men five months. And they had as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, but in Greek he has a name, Apollyon. And so if this is your first time covering the Calvary Chapel Monty, you might think, this is weird stuff, man. I mean, this is crazy stuff, but, you know, um, it's, it's real. And we read, first of all, in verse 1 about this fifth angel sounding that trumpet, and then we read about this fallen star uh, from heaven. And, you know, this is not a, a literal star like we've seen some of the earlier prophecies regarding meteor showers. This star is referred to as a him or a he in verse 1. And, and so uh, there's a few different options. What is this fallen star? Number one, it could be just an angel sent from heaven to open up the abyss. Number two, it could be a, a, a demon. And some might say it's like a general demon in, in Satan's army. But, but more than likely, what this star is, this fallen star, is Satan himself. And more than likely, what we read there at the end about this, this star, this, this demon being the king over those in the bottomless pit, is in reference to Satan himself. You know, there's an interesting passage. Uh, many of you know it, but if you don't, uh, check out Revelation chapter 12 and verse 9. It says, So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil, who deceives the whole world, he was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And so this is when Satan was cast out 
from heaven for the final time, no longer even able to report to God as he did in the book of Job. And he's cast down, this fallen star is cast down, and now he knows his time is short. And so what he does, you guys see there in verse 2, is that he opens the bottomless pit and all this smoke arises. And so uh, this is the first of the three woes. Remember we read that in Revelation chapter 8, verse 13, woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth. And so look at verse 12 in chapter 9 of Revelation. It says, one woe is past. Behold, two more woes are coming. And so this right here is the first woe. And what that's basically saying is that this is really, really crazy. Crazy. You know, this uh, Satan has a key, and with it, he opens a bottomless pit. And, and you forgive me for this, but I, know, I don't know if you guys have seen the movie Hercules, uh, the Disney version of Hercules. And you remember when Hades uh, opens up that whatever, that thing where the titans are released, you know, that kind of thing. Um, just to give you a visual, okay, not to distract you or anything, but it kind of reminded me of that, you know, like the, the devil um, coming down, knowing his time is short, God saying, okay, I'll give you the authority now, here's the key, and he goes down and he opens up the, the bottomless pit. The bottomless pit is a shaft in hell or Hades, and most believe it's the great gulf that separated Abraham's bosom from the lost, as described in Luke 16, verse 26. You guys remember in uh, Luke 16, there was the compartment of the righteous and the unrighteous, and in between them there was this great gulf fixed so that no one could cross. Now, when Jesus uh, died on the cross, he allowed the righteous to go to heaven, so now hell is just filled with those who are lost, uh, and as soon as you die as Christians, you go directly to heaven. But there is this shaft, there is this abyss, there is this bottomless pit where these demons are kept, and during this time, they are allowed out. It's where the worst demons are in solitary confinement, maximum security, and many people actually believe it's in the, in the center of the earth, and it's bottomless because of the constant rotation of the earth. In Revelation 17, 8, this is where the Antichrist ascends from. And so basically what we see right here, you guys, is these are the worst of the worst. I mean, these are the worst. I mean, demons are bad enough. But these are the worst demons. And a lot of people believe that this is where the angels uh, spoken of in Jude chapter 1. Verse 6 and 7 are kept. L listen to what it says. Jude 1 verse 6. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. And so these were demons who didn't keep their proper do domain. Now, we know, according to the scriptures, that one-third of the angels fell and they became demons, right? But from those who fell, these are the worst. They didn't keep their domain as determined by God. And we read their story. I believe what he's talking about here is found in the book of Genesis chapter 6. And what you read there is about these angels that were called sons of God, and they went into the daughters of men. Jude talks about it in Jude chapter 1 verse 7. It says of Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, 
they're set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. And so it's weird, you know, the, the, these, these angels going after strange flesh, it's probably in reference to these fallen angels who basically possessed human bodies and these sons of God were intimate with the daughters of men and they were punished by being sent to the abyss there that we're reading about in Revelation 9. And also an interesting passage is Luke chapter 8, verse 31, where when Jesus was about to cast out the demons, uh, and there was a legion of demons from these two men, uh, they actually said in Luke 8, 31, they begged him that he would not command them to go into the abyss. And so all I'm saying, all that to say, basically, like, like the worst prisons, like the, where the worst criminals are kept, but now transfer that into the demonic realm. Imagine what would happen today, you guys, and we're kind of seeing a little bit with the anarchy and craziness and stuff, lawlessness, but imagine uh, for a moment if all the prisons were, were um, opened up and all the, the people who you know, have no conviction, hardened hearts, if every door was flung open, every gate was flung open, and imagine there were no police to limit them, to restrain them, you know, that would probably be a, a pretty terrible time, but it's nothing. It's nothing compared to what would happen when these demons are left out. And what we find right here is these demons are described, uh, a crazy combination of locusts and scorpions and horses and crowns of gold on their heads, and they have faces like men, hair of a of a woman, and that probably is in reference to man and woman, is the fact that it's not just animal instinct. They have rationality, they have intelligence, they have strength like a man, sensitivity like a woman. They have the teeth of a lion, breastplates of iron. The sound of their wings is like sounds of chariots with many horses running into battle. And they have these tails like scorpions wherein they sting. And so, uh, again, you look at this, and you guys, I don't know, uh, do you think it's, it's literal, it's actual, that these creatures will come out from hell and look like this? And many Bible teachers believe that that's true. Um, we don't know for sure. I, I know right now, um, if you could see the invisible realm, Right now, we can't see it because we got these eyes that are physical. But if we could see the, the invisible realm, we would see demons. We would see angels. We would see God. And I don't know. Maybe, you know, they look pretty. Maybe the demons w would look ugly. I'm not sure. Maybe they would look something like this. You know, there's a, a book. It's an old book. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever heard it. It's called This Present Darkness. I think it's by Frank Peretti. And for those of you who like uh, um, those type of, type of novels, uh, it's pretty fascinating the way that he describes uh, the way that angels and demons look and things like that. You know, I do know this, that, that it's not random. Why locusts? Why are they described as locusts? Well, because locusts are swarming. You know, when you get those locusts come, they come in and they consume everything in their path. And so, you know, you, the Lord's using this as description because they're, they're swarming. Why, why scorpions? Why does he use scorpions? Well, scorpions have a sting that's able to cause tremendous amount of pain, but generally speaking, they're not lethal. And so these demons uh, create a tremendous amount of pain, 
but they're not lethal. Another thing about locusts is interesting too is they have about a five-month uh, lifespan. And so um, the Lord uses locusts swarming five months. They have these stings of scorpions. Why horses? And I think the reason that we guys all know, right, horses, they, they lead the cavalry, man. They're not afraid to go into battle. And that's what these demons are doing. I mean, they're swarming, they're consuming for five months, tormenting with this torment. And, you know, uh, imagine the pain. I, I was reading one commentary by Adrian Rogers. He was talking about how when he was a kid, his dad asked him to go into the shed and get something. And he, and he grabbed it and he got stung by the scorpion on one hand. And then he tried to get it with the other hand and stung him on this. And he was talking about all the pain and all the swelling, all the things he went through. But he didn't die. You know, and it didn't take long. Eventually, the pain went away. But imagine if the pain doesn't go away. See, that's what's happening here. Why five months? You know, I can't help but remember that the word five in the Bible is actually the number of grace. Did you guys know that? And, and what we find, uh, believe it or not, I believe in my heart that God is warning them, listen, perpetual torment. Perpetual torment is ahead for those who reject Jesus Christ. Now, you're experiencing five months of perpetual torment. May that awaken you to give your life to Jesus Christ. You know, he died for you on that cross. He loves you. And all the craziness, all the things, you know, John was talking about, we're going through difficult times. Everybody is. Some of you guys are going through it more probably than others. But let me just say to you, the answer is the same no matter who you are, no matter what you're going through. You need Jesus. And he loves you. He died for you. And so this is all, these are all like warnings. It's all God trying to show them grace. And why lions? Because they're devouring. And um, the wings, you know, what's that all about? Well, it's because they're flying, and flying makes them faster. Flying makes them swifter. I think there was an, an Indian proverb that said, uh, thank God that he didn't give tigers wings. Well, one day they're going to have it, man, in the form of, of demons. You know, they, they come uh, like these locusts. Uh, they're a devastating swarm, Ron Rhodes said. They can rip through the land like a black cloud, devouring crops almost instantly. Therefore, they're an apt metaphor for the desolation of the demonic spirits that will inflict this upon the world. And so even the whole thing about crowns, you know, what, what is that all about? Why do they have crowns? And more than likely, it's because these demons are higher in rank. And we know when you read Ephesians chapter 6 that they are, you know, they're ranked with principalities and powers and rulers. So there is a rank even in the demonic world. And these demons that are released at that time are of higher rank. And so I've heard a lot of different things about this. Maybe it'll be literal. Maybe it'll be physical. Maybe it'll be this invisible. Uh, I even remember Chuck Missler, he said they're helicopters, they're Apache helicopters. Um, I don't think that's the case, but you just never know. We're going to talk a little bit about stuff like that. And I think the reason we wonder and we're not sure is because it seems so bizarre. These are things we've never really seen before, and it's hard to even imagine it. 
But I, like I said earlier, if we were allowed to see the invisible realm even now, it wouldn't be far-fetched. Now notice again what they do. They, they didn't kill, but in one sense it's worse. They tormented mankind for five months. And so they, they, it says right here in verse 5, and they were not given authority to kill them. Remember, God is the only one who can give that authority. Uh, but to torment them for five months. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. Verse 4 says, They were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. And so, uh, Revelation 7, we went over that, how the 144,000 were sealed. And we talked about the reason they were sealed for identification, for unction, and for protection. And so we see them protected here. One last thing before we move on. Uh, look at verse 11. It says, And they had as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, but in Greek he has a name Apollyon. And these uh, two words right here in the Greek and the Hebrew, they mean the same thing, and that is destroyer. And what is the agenda of the adversary? It's to steal, kill, and destroy. John chapter 10, verse 10, that's what Jesus said. The thief has not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. To steal you from God, to kill you, and then to destroy you forever. Destruction is in reference to hell and the lake of fire, eternal separation from God. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 11, it describes hell that way. And so Jesus on the flip side says, hey, the thief has come to do this, but I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. And so I pray you guys would know this. Um, my prayer is that as we look at what's going to happen in the future, uh, you might be here and you're like, well, I'm a Christian. Thank God I'm not going to you know, be here during that time. And then you go on your merry way. And God is saying, is there an urgency in you? Do you care about the lost who live next door to you, who live around you, some of them under your own roof? And I've been asking you to pray for them and you haven't really, really prayed for them. You know, some of you here, maybe even today, it's impressive that you're here, outdoor service. Praise God. I would imagine most of you here, you're in a right relationship with God. But there might be some of you here, uh, at the end of the day, you're not. You don't love the Lord. You don't even really want to read your Bible. You don't even really want to pray. You don't even really want to be here. And God is saying, what's it going to take to wake you up, to bring you to a place of surrender? What's it going to take to wake you up to the fact that there is a God? He made you. He loves you. He redeemed you. You know, we can't waste our life with all these other idols. Um, my encouragement to you is Matthew 6:33: Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you. Because we're going through this, not just for information, but I think for transformation. I think to warn us. And, uh, you know, what if all of you were right in right relationship with God? That would be cool. And you'd be like, Manny, you're just kind of blowing wind. But what if there's one person here who you're not ready? You're not ready for God. You're not ready for the return of Jesus Christ. If he were to come right now, you'd be left behind and you know it. 
And all you have to do today is say, Lord, that's me. Jesus, come into my life. Because this morning when I was praying, I was just ta talking to the Lord. I was thinking about the day that I got saved. And I was the best way I could describe it when I was praying this morning and just talking to God is that moment when he came into my life. When he came into my life and he just took over my life. Because he's knocking. He's knocking on that door of your heart. And you got to let him in. you got to let him be the Lord of your life. Because this is real. What we're seeing going on in the world right now is a warning that he's telling us he's coming. We have to have an urgency for others. But maybe you need to have an urgency for yourself. Are you really ready? I pray you are. We read next in verse 12. It says, One woe is past. Behold, still two more woes are coming after these things. And then the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. And so the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. Now the number of the army of the horsemen was 200 million. I heard the number of them. And thus I saw the horses in the vision. Those who sat on them had breastplates of fiery red, hyacinth blue, and sulfur yellow. And the heads of the horses were like the heads of lions. And out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and brimstone. By these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone which came out of their mouths. For their power is in their mouth and in their tails. For their tails are like serpents having heads, and with them they do harm. Now here again is the sixth sound of the trumpet, and John heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar which is before God and that's interesting uh, that altar was where prayer would be offered before the holiest place and speaking to the sixth angel uh, he heard the voice say release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates now this is interesting because these four angels were actually prepared for this very moment and so just in case you're wondering, like, is God, like, general? Is God vague with the timing of things? No, man, God is precise. You know, I was reading about one uh, launch. You know how we have our space shuttles that are launched and things like that, that uh, JPL and those guys are all involved in? It was called off because uh, the computer was off by 1 25th of a second. And so they called it off. Imagine that, 1 25th of a second. Well, with God, he's not, he's not off, uh, you know, 1 25th of a second. Not, not, not at all. A lot of times we think God is late or where's God or it's taking too long or just things about his timing. And, man, this, these angels are prepared for that very moment, that hour, that day, that month, that year. I mean, it's just everything is according to his perfect timing. And as they hear that voice from that golden altar, I think that's, an, again, representation. We've seen it many times in the book of Revelation in response to our prayers. 
then these four angels uh, are released. Now, most people believe that these are actually demons, which are fallen angels, and uh, they're released to kill one-third of mankind. And so when you follow through the book of Revelation during the tribulation period now, half of the human race has been wiped out. And so for us, we're looking at the numbers of the coronavirus. You know, we look at that past pandemics and things like that. And, uh, you know, I, I was thinking, man, imagine four billion people dead. Now, of course, the Christians are going to come out. So that brings our population down in the world to maybe seven billion. So 3.5 billion people dead. Maybe these demons, and I don't want to sound, uh, you know, like whatever, trying like to put, I'm trying to make things fit, but maybe they're killing with diseases, with pestilences. You know, it's interesting when you read that time in the Old Testament when David numbered the people, there was an angel that came and the, the visual finally when heaven was opened up and they were able to see that angel, he had a sword and it was drawn towards Jerusalem. And he was about to wipe out the entire population. And, and, and the Lord said, no, hold your stay right there. And they ended up buying that property. They built a temple there. But here's the thing, that he killed the people. This angel killed the people with a plague. It was a plague. And so I don't know. We don't know um, exactly the details of it. But, man... If we're, if we're seeing what's going on in the world today, and it's just a little bit with this pandemic, just a little bit, we're, we're, we're accountable. If you're here today and you're not, you know, s surrendered to Jesus Christ, and then you're going to stay and get left behind, and then, you know, you enter into the tribulation period where there's a plague that wipes out half the human race, you can't stand before God and say, well, you didn't warn me. He said, he'll say, do you remember the coronavirus? I warned you. I warned you. And I gave you all the signs. So, you know, we see now these four angels are, are released. They're there at the Euphrates. And we see that there's, um, there's a lot of them. Now, I don't mean to shift gears, but I, I again... When we go through this, we can't be dogmatic. I don't know the, the whole way it works. I mentioned the possibility of a pandemic, but there's also just a, a possibility of old-fashioned war. Now, the, the 2 times 10,000 times 10,000, which is what it is in the Greek, it, it's not like a lot of times in the Old Testament when you read there, there's a vague, you know, 10,000, you know, he's looking at them, 10,000. No, it says here that he heard the number specifically. And when you read the Greek, it's 2 times 10,000 times 10,000, which is why we have in our New King James 200 million. And there are some Bible teachers that believe this is in reference to an army, an army of, of men, an army of soldiers now, when John originally wrote this, there wasn't even that many people on the planet. But now, not only is there that many people on the planet, but China by themselves 
can muster up an army of 200 million men. And they've boasted about that. And there are some who believe that this is in reference to something like that, and they'll even connect it to other prophecies. Some even say the Battle of Armageddon. Uh, you read different scriptures in the book of Daniel, for example, chapter 11, verse 44, and other places. And, and, and you know, you see these things uh, very possible. Uh, we have uh, the number of them, and we have the description of them. Again, they're horses. They have these breastplates, which make them impregnable. Um, and they have, uh, out of their, uh, it says right there, out of their mouth they spewed fire, smoke, and brimstone. And so, again, um, I don't think it's wrong to say that it might possibly be a tank. A tank spewing out this you know, firing. Because when you see the, the wars, when you see the different armies and that type of, you know, demonic-led invasion, we see how these things can happen. And as some have taken this as a picture of modern warfare, the Bible Knowledge Commentary says, including the use of armed vehicles such as tanks. Whether symbolic or literal, the passage certainly implies terrible destruction and an awesome invading force. The results are twice stated and include the death of a third of mankind. And so with all this going on, you would figure that all the living would be giving their lives to the Lord, right? But notice what we read here in the end. It says in verse 20, But the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, that they should not worship demons and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which can neither see, nor hear, nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders, or their sorceries, or their sexual immorality, or their thefts. And there are some people, they go to church, and they just, they just continue to look at pornography. They continue to get high. They continue to have idols, things that they put before God, made of gold or silver or, or, or wood. Now, uh, more than likely what's going to happen when the church is raptured out, because we're like a restrainer, you know, the Holy Spirit working through the church. We're the salt that preserves the world. We're the light in the darkness. So you take the church out, and man, these days are going to be dark. There's going to be a lot of occultism, a lot of Satanism. A lot of the, the, that stuff that we see here that's mentioned, the, the idolatry is going to be rampant, right? And so with all that going on, imagine that it says right here that they, they did not repent of these things. I, I don't, honestly, I mean, I don't understand why people don't give their lives to Christ. I don't understand. I don't understand how a Christian can be half-hearted. How is that possible? Sometimes I look at people in the church and I feel like they're so dead. They're like zombies. They come to church every week, but there is no spiritual desire inside of them. They don't want to talk about the things of the Lord. They don't have anything to share. Like, what's the Lord been showing you? There's nothing there. And I don't understand why. 
what part of this are you, are you not understanding that, that there is a heaven, that there is a hell, that Jesus was nailed to a cross for you? He, he died for you. God died for you. And, and you can't live for him? But we see the hardness of heart, the callousness. It reminds me of Pharaoh and all that he was going through and all that God was showing him. And he just kept hardening his heart and hardening his heart and hardening his heart. Let me just say this. If you can still understand me, if you can still hear the call of Christ to you today, please respond. Because one day it might be too late. Yeah, I believe that we should be radical. I believe that we should be Jesus freaks. Because we see this going on. What other option do we have? They, they didn't repent of their, their murders. And if you think about murders, and I don't want to get too vague uh, about things, but I will say this. Jesus said that if you hate someone, he said, you commit murder. Uh, he talked about uh, if you look at a woman to lust after her, you've committed adultery. So we really have to check our heart for all these things. Idolatry. Is there anything you're putting before God? Murders, drugs, sexual perversity, and thievery. Because when we look at this, God says, the way that we're saved, and it's interesting when, you know, you read the New Testament, John the Baptist came onto the scene and he just said, simple message, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And when Jesus came, he said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And when he sent his apostles out, they preached, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent of your unbelief and be willing to let go of any sin that is holding you back from this relationship with Jesus Christ. And I know for you guys as a church, those of you who do know the Lord, it's a miracle that you're saved, that Christ came into your life. I pray that there would be an urgency in your heart to be sold out and surrendered, completely committed. I pray that if you're a Christian here today, that you would ask God to show you what your part is in the body of Christ and that you would be faithful to fulfill whatever that is and that you would be reaching out like never before, pulling people out of the fire, just scattering that seed and letting God take care of the results. But if you're here and you're going somewhere else, you're going to a place called hell, then today you have the option of making a change. Uh, again, I was reading a, a little story by Adrian Rogers, and he said, I was on an airplane a while back, and the flight attendant said, this plane is headed for Cincinnati, Ohio. If Cincinnati is not your plans today, I suggest you disembark now. <laughs> the world is headed uh, for judgment. It's headed for hell. And if you don't intend to go there, if you don't want to go there, I suggest you avoid this path by giving your heart to Jesus Christ. Because there's something about sin, Cincinnati. You see the word sin in there? It's pretty obvious where that leads. Eternity without God. And you have the option, smoking or not, you have the option to be with him or not. I pray you guys, don't play church. 
Don't play church. Make sure it's real.